Amen. And so we're coming towards the end of our series exploring Paul's letter to the Romans. And I wonder, I can't see behind the masks whether you are looking relieved that the series is almost over or so disappointed that could there not be many more chapters that we study. I leave that to, for you to think about. Uh, but I would like to tell you there's one more in this series. Next Sunday we celebrate our harvest and we'll look elsewhere for our Bible passages. But the final Sunday in September, we're going to try and bring together all these strands in Paul's letter to the Romans and to hear your reactions, perhaps hopefully positive, within the series, somewhere, God's word has spoken to you. Maybe it takes a bit of listening and digging around to hear what that word is. But over the next fortnight, please think through that and give us your feedback. It'd be lovely to hear responses from people for whom a verse, a word, a passage in that great letter has spoken. We're not coming to the final chapter. There are two more chapters and we'll have a few of verses from those chapters in a fortnight's time. But we come to chapter 14, which deals with the, the differences within the church in Rome and all the churches and how those who might be regarded as weak and those who might be regarded as strong in faith actually need to learn to live together, to accept each other. And Muriel from Corzen is going to read this to us. Romans 14, verses 1 to 12. I'm reading from the New International Version. The weak and the strong. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak only eats vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does, who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives our lives alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. 
And if if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, (coughs) why do you judge your brother or sister? (coughs) Or why do you treat them with contempt? (coughs) For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Thanks be to God. And as we reflect on those words, we will hear just a verse of Fred Kahn's hymn that begins with the words, Help us accept each other. Help us accept each other as Christ accepted us. So let us pray. Help us, Lord, to accept each other as Christ accepted us. Teach us how to truly love and to live in his name. Amen. Every so often I wonder what it might be like to escape to a cave on a deserted island and live a life untroubled by 24-7 news, by the world of the 21st century, by traffic noise or technical problems, by COVID-19 and all the rest. The bliss of Mornings, just hearing the birds and the sea lapping on the shore. Simple food cooked over a camp fire. Not sure whether it would just be vegetarian or meat or fish, whatever. Days filled with nothing in particular. A kind of permanent lockdown, I suppose. But that isn't real life. I'm sure I wouldn't last long before I was starving or hailed the passing ship for rescue to return to the world of people. We need each other. Humanity cannot do it and live it alone. Life involves people 
involves relationships with all the complexity of those relationships, not just within families or neighbourhoods, but within a, within a national life, within a global life. We are very aware of that today. We are interconnected and we need each other. And that means rubbing along with people who are different to ourselves, who think differently, who see the world in a different way. Those whose values may be different to ours as well. If that's true in society, it's true in the church family. We do not think alike. We are different. We're varied in our backgrounds and experiences, our personalities and our faith journeys, our gifts and our needs. And thank God for that. A church of clones. If I looked out and everyone looked exactly the same, would not be a church. It would not be the glorious body of Christ with all its different parts. But if that body is to work well, those differences cannot be allowed to become divisions and to become destructive. Paul had seen a major problem developing within the church's life. In the churches he knew and in this church that he was writing to in Rome that he had never visited before. He was aware of how amazing variety of people had come into the church fellowship. Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, slave and free, men and women, young and old. And at times that brought with it tensions and difficulties. Each brought their own perspective from their past into their newfound Christian faith. And that diversity threw up all kinds of issues. And here he tackles two in particular, the kind of food we are to eat. There were some who would avoid at all cost meat that had been butchered and sacrificed to pagan gods. And for that reason, they would only eat vegetables. I don't think there were vegans and vegetarians in that sense of the word in those days. But meat offered to pagan gods, well, that, for many, was to be avoided. But others said, well, pagan gods don't exist anyway. They are, they are nothing. We have found the living God, and we can eat what we like. Now, we could have a debate about vegetarianism this morning, and there would be many different perspectives. And the other issue was about dates, about seasons. For some, just celebrate the Lord's Day, the Sabbath, the Sunday, and all, all is fine. We don't need Christmas. We don't need Easter. Christmas may be cancelled. For others, those seasons are valuable in their faith journey, in exploring what 
the Christian faith means to them. If that was true in Rome, it is true in British Christianity today. We, over my lifetime, have had numerous debates that have at times become heated. The debate about the nuclear deterrent was especially uh, deep-rooted in the URC for, for many years. Why we've forgotten that, I'm not quite sure. But still the debate of pacifism or deterrent in this complex, dangerous world. The debate about human sexuality and the full inclusion of gay and lesbian Christians, that remains a heated issue. And in the URC, we've kind of learnt to live together in that issue. But it's still hard. What are the debates that are in your mind today? A few years ago, we had the, the great Brexit debate and vote. And I suppose as a Remainer, I was shocked at just how many people within the church family felt Brexit was the way. But somehow we've got to learn to live together, to talk, to work it out together. And the church remains a body full of Brexiteers and Remainers and those sort of vaguely in the middle. What are the issues for you today? I went for a walk yesterday as part of Ride and Stride, and I came across this notice, which I'm hoping we can show you this very moment. And it might come up. Hey, can you see? I don't know if you can read the writing. No public right of way, but some wag has put above it, Jesus is king. I love that in many ways. But, you know, that, that's a bit of um, graffiti. It's a defacing of an important public notice. What is your perspective on that? And for some Christians, using the word Jesus is king is archaic. We don't want to use that kind of language of royalty to describe our, our friend and our master. Jesus, Jesus the servant. How do you react? Is there a little rebellion in you that says, oh, good for them, the face? Or is there that, how dare they? Or how do they, dare they use Jesus in that way? We don't even know if it was a Christian who wrote those words. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. What does that mean in all our debates and discussions? Somehow we've got to learn to accept each other. That's the message of Paul. And he puts it in a strange way. He talks about the strong and the weak in faith. And if I was being told, well, obviously you're weak in faith, but... I'm going to accept you, brother. I might be pretty angry. Sometimes the strong can be arrogant. 
I've come across some really strong faithed Christians who actually show less love and compassion than those who feel their faith is so weak. In fact, often it is the weak who inspire me by their need of God and God's grace. And maybe that is Paul's message too, because it's possible that he's using those words not judgmentally. In fact, he says, don't judge, don't condemn, don't treat with contempt. Perhaps he's using those words playfully. Those who think they're so strong, don't treat the weak with contempt. And those who feel so weak, don't kind of judge those who are going a different route, who might seem strong in your mind, or might claim to be strong in their own minds. In a few moments, we'll come to share communion together, here and at home. And the invitation will include the words, come not because you are strong, but because you are weak and you need God's love and grace in Christ Jesus. And come, whether you feel strong or weak in your journey of faith, come and be humbled, but also be lifted up by that love of God we see in Jesus. Amen.